Uh, welcome uh, to another episode of A Pastor and His People. Uh, today I'm with uh, John Whitaker again. Uh, this is our kind of new mini-series where we're kind of just doing some uh, pastoral applications based on uh, uh, the sermon uh, the previous Sunday. So last uh, Sunday uh, we looked at 1 John 1, 1 through 4. Uh, the text reads this way, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. All right, John Whitaker, uh, ask away. Let's see how we can think about this and apply it to our lives. Okay. Um... Yeah, uh, you, as you just read in the beginning, uh, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And you use the word uh, incarnational in your uh, sermon. Uh, and you made a connection, that there is a connection between Christ being incarnated and then us having physical relationships with each other. Uh, just how would you uh, help us think about, um, are we being incarnational with our relationships. So like help us think that through and what that would look like. Yeah. So uh, obviously he's, uh, John is trying to kind of address some heresies that are going on in the church of Ephesus. We don't exactly know the full details of the heresy. Um, but some people were saying that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh. So John starts out his epistles trying to emphasize the incarnation of Jesus. So the incarnation, um, in the flesh, right? So carne meaning Latin for, uh, flesh. So he's in the flesh. Um, so he came to us physically mm-hmm. um, to be with us. That's part of his the whole prophecy, right? Isaiah chapter 7, Micah chapter 5. The, the eternal son was going to become with us. So he could be our Emmanuel God with us. Uh, and because of that, we have comfort, right? I mean, how many times have you read throughout the scriptures, um, God is with us? Uh, even last night when we looked at um, Isaiah 41, right? Fear not, for I am with you. Well, we know God is with us because of Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 5, whether we are alive or dead, we'll always be with the Lord. So this idea of presence, I think, is a very big deal. Uh, so I think about our relationships, you know, we want people to know that we are with them, right? Hmm. Um, so, you know, how do we live out the incarnational life? One, merely by our presence. Uh, I was talking to a member yesterday and thinking about just the, the value of having one service, you know, um, conviction, that's kind of where, I, where I've always been. And when you have two services, you're in two separate times, you're not seeing the same people. Now, we know that if you're in a building of 300 people, you're not going to know everyone in that building. That's yeah. very unlikely. But you're still going to see them, right? You're in the same presence. So there's still a connection sharing the same physical space. Um, there is a, um, an emotional sense, like growing up in a hometown. So I went back to visit my grandma this past week, and uh, her, her, uh, she, she passed away, but li- visited my family, kind of her home place where my dad grew up. And there's a lot of memories going back to that place. A physical place did something to my spirit while I was there. So I think it's the same thing. When we share the same space with people, there's a different level of connection, hmm. right? I think it's how God has designed us. I think what I was trying to draw out is that... Um, and Jesus came from heaven, right? He left heaven to come to us physically, right? I think God wants us to do the same. I think he wants us to come from that which is comfortable and maybe our own domiciles, right? Maybe that's our, our heaven, if you will, our sanctuary, and leave our place of comfort to go to people who are in need. And physically, that presence, I think, changes our relationship with him. Yeah, so if I'm understanding you correctly, uh, you'd say... 
Jesus came, right? And the Gnostics would say he didn't come in the flesh. Correct. How would practically that would have looked for them? Because uh, they thought Jesus wasn't uh, the, the 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 eternal Jesus mm-hmm. and the historic Jesus weren't the same person, right? Right. So they um, it was more of a mystical secret knowledge that had to be revealed to them, hmm. you know. So um, you know, there's been a lot written on the Gnostic heresy. How did that you know? affect their their church, their gathering? Like, did they just not see each other as much because they, you know, or is it more of you know that's that's a good question. Legalism. We we know that. In the, in the epistle that one of the confrontations that John's trying to address is people who are leaving the church, right? Mm-hmm. He actually calls them Antichrist, right? Hmm. There's many Antichrist, uh, those who are against Christ. Um, and we'll get there when we get to First John 2, but those who are against Christ Spoiler alert. are against, are against <laughs> God's people, right? So hmm. if people do not gather with God's people, you're actually against Christ. I make the same argument what Jesus said to Paul, right, on the road to Damascus. He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Well, Saul was persecuting Christians. He wasn't persecuting Jesus, hmm. but Jesus identified himself with the church. So I think to be against God's people is to be against God. Um, you know, so, so I think the Gnostics, there mm-hmm. was a part of the Gnostics who didn't feel necessary to be with the people of Ephesus right now. Did they leave and not have connection? I don't know. Was the Gnostics part of the church where they had, they already left? I think a lot of those questions we don't have answers to. And so practically for us, right? So if we're going to struggle with Gnosticism here, would you say it's virtually and not spiritual? That we think we can get God virtually? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, in our in our current context, that, that may there may be a, an application there. I haven't thought through that yet. Hmm. Um, you know, I just know that when I think about you know First Corinthians eleven coming together for the Lord's Supper, you know, some people are going ahead. And, and not waiting for the body. There's not this uniform, hey, we're coming together as one flesh, as one body. I think there's a there's something there that's very unique. Um, so I, I don't think that you can fully get what God wants you to virtually, right? Hmm. Because you can connect with people in some sense, right? Um, you know, so even, you know, people yesterday were watching the service and they felt they were, like they were there, right? They're mm-hmm. hearing the word, they're listening to things. Um, but... People who were there didn't know they were there, right? Hmm. So there, there, there's, there's a little bit of a disconnect. Um, so you know, so I don't, I don't think you can get the same level of intimacy virtually as person to person. Yeah, let's go. Uh, so and then it says the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Now, uh, in your sermon, you mentioned that that proclaiming, right? You made emphasis more on loving one another, showing each other's life. Can you love people well, do good at your job, and still, like, do you have to verbally share Jesus with people to proclaim him? Uh, Yes and no. You know, I think that um, you can show your faith by being salt and light, by being kind, right? Uh, you know, I think that if you can have the, the joy of the Lord and smile when you see people, right? Um, someone drops tr- uh, something and you run behind them and pick them up and give it to them and say, hey, bless you, have a good day. You know, there's ways you can show kindness, right? Which would be in, in a response to your faith in Christ. But uh, faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of Christ. So, 
if we don't share the gospel of Christ, um, well, then we're not doing all that the Lord has us to do, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like we're walking with a limp, right? It's kind of maybe, maybe like a, I don't even know why this illustration comes in my head, like a three-legged dog, right? It's like you're, you're, you're kind of limping around, like you can kind of get things, certain things done, but it's not the full picture. Hmm. Two wings of a plane, you can live your life, right? But you also have to share the, your faith, right? Why are you doing what you're doing? So I think this is why we have the Word of God, right? God didn't give us just a a video, right, of, of, of the resurrection, a video of the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. He gave us words to interpret those events, right? So I think that we want to do the same thing with others. Like we want to help people interpret why we do what we do. Why are we, um, why as Christians we choose not to get drunk? Why as Christians we choose to, to guard our words? Why as Christians we choose to use words to edify and not tear down? Why as Christians do we work hard at our jobs? Mm. Well, it's because Jesus Christ has saved us and we want to do all things for his glory, right? Well, people may not know why we do what we do. So we have to interpret our, the events that people are watching us through our words, through Christ, just like the scriptures did, right? There's events that happened that people were watching, did not know what they were watching until they were interpreted, which is a lot of Jesus' ministries, interpreting the events that was happening right in front of the disciples. Yeah, that's good. Would you, so I guess, how would you encourage the people who have either a strong leaning one way or the other? So let's say, I'm not good at... I don't know, doing acts of kindness. I'm much better at just teaching. Or the person would say, I'm really good at loving and caring for people. I'm just not really good at sharing the gospel. And would you say one of them is being like unfaithful or how would you encourage them to maybe do both? Or Well, it's a, it's a hard question when you ask, is someone being unfaithful, right? Mm -hmm. We don't really have the, you know, unless the, something is clearly against the word of God, we can't say someone that's being unfaithful. Right. You know, uh, Romans 14, anything that we do outside of faith is sin. Right. So if people have convictions that they should be sharing and they're not, they probably are being unfaithful. They probably mm -hmm. are sinning. So um, if people are, are only sharing, but they're not actually caring for people, yeah, they, if they feel conviction, they, they, they may be unfaithful as well. Mm -hmm. So this is why we, we don't want to do anything versus the fear of man. Um, but we also don't want to do anything because things are inconvenient for us. Right. You know, well, I'm only valuable when I share the gospel. Well, no, you're also called to love and care for people. Jesus did heal the sick. You know, mm -hmm. as well as preach the word. Um, you know, the disciples often cared for one another. And saints throughout the history of the church, right? Rodney Starks, The Rise of Christianity, speaks uh, wonderful from a social science perspective on how the church cared for the poor and those who were hurting. And that led to the spread of the gospel. You hmm. know, so, you know, I don't like to, you know, differentiate one or the, one or the other. Um, but we, we know that we're called to share the gospel because faith comes from hearing, hearing comes from the word of Christ. We are the only ones who have the gospel message, right? Mm -hmm. Other people can do good acts of kindness, right? But we are the only ones who have the, the gospel message. So, you know, I, I would just challenge wherever leaning that you have is just make sure you're putting your life before the Lord, asking him, Lord, what would you have me to do, mm -hmm. right? In this situation, you know, should I speak up or should I hold back? You know, sometimes it's better not to speak the gospel, which sounds really, really weird, but what about, um, you know, someone, you know, who you know is sensitive to someone who's being browbeating them over the gospel, they mm -hmm. maybe in a home where their um, father, you know, preached the gospel, preached the gospel, preached the gospel to them, right, in kind of more of an angry fashion, and that, that same man left their mom, right? So when you come back and try to talk to them about the gospel, 
they're going to they're gonna think hear it through the lens of their father who left them and abandoned them. But you got to be very careful on how you share the gospel, hmm. right? You know, you have to make sure the tone is very important. So that's why, the way I've always kind of said, like my, my, my quick gospel, kind of what's the definition of evangelism, take the whole gospel to the whole person, right? You're talking to an individual, right? And you're trying to care for the individual who's right in front of you. Hmm. You're trying to contextualize what this, how this good how gospel message is to the person right across from us. Hmm. That's good. Uh, and then you said, uh, or not you said, uh, John said this. Uh, I'll take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Um, there seems to be a connection between life and, joy and fellowship what's that connection what's john trying to bring out yeah so i think eternal life here is, is talking about jesus right the eternal life that which was from the beginning right mm -hmm. which we have seen and heard well, they're talking about the life of jesus christ right um, but they're also talking about the eternal life that i think jesus brings with him right so we proclaim to you the eternal life jesus we also proclaim to the eternal life that jesus offers the fellowship with the father and the son mm -hmm. uh, so i think like those are all Inter interconnected, right? I don't think that you can separate them because Jesus came to do what? To preach um, about the, the gospel of the kingdom um, and to unite people to, to, to the mm -hmm. Father. So there's a there's life and fellowship, right? Is kind of how we're wired. You know, part of the, the grand picture, right? God has always existed in fellowship, perfect fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And now he's inviting us back into that fellowship, right? We had that fellowship in the garden. It was broken, right? Um, now we are going to, God has to restore that fellowship through his son, right? So, and that really does bring God joy, right? When we are reunited with him, but it also brings us joy, right? Just think about any time you've had a, a relationship that has been fractured for whatever the reason, and that relationship being restored. Oh my goodness, joy just fills your heart. Right. Mm. Imagine a maybe the joy of the father in you know Luke 15. Right when he looks and he sees his son and he runs up to him and clothes him with the best robe and kills mm. the fattened calf. Like your your son was lost, but now he's been found. Oh my goodness, the joy that fills the heart. That's really what we want, right? We want mm. people who are far from God to be reconciled unto Him, and that brings us joy. You know, you know, we were talking about this. We mentioned it maybe three weeks ago, just kind of on an offhanded comment about like the joy of the angels rejoicing in heaven when, when a sinner repents, hmm. you know, Oh my goodness. Like that's the joy I think John wants. He wants to see God come back. People come back to the God, right. Mm -hmm. As, as, and that have, be their, be their hearts of joy. And I think the reason why I didn't even draw this out and maybe I hadn't even thought about it in my preparation, but you know, what brings you joy is really what is one of the most important things in your life. Mm -hmm. You know? So like, um, when I'm with my family, you know, when I see something happen positive with my kids, like my heart is just filled with joy mm -hmm. because they're like the most precious things in my life. Same thing with the church. When I see people, for me, as more of a pastor, I'm kind of like, I think I really hear John's heart here. So when I see our church walking in the truth and living uh, the, the, a godly life or people are making progress in their faith or confessing sin or however the Christian life is expressing people in our church in a positive way. Man, it gives me joy, mm -hmm. right? It just it just gives me joy, right? And I just I feel like my heart is filled because that's, yeah. that's a priority and a passion of mine. So I think for John, his passion is that people would be reconciled to God, you know. And I think that if we don't rejoice when someone's baptized 
or don't rejoice in people uh, being united to our to our faith family. Well, then we may have wrong priorities. Hmm. So uh, I'm not sure if that answers your question or not. Yeah, I just want to draw that out a little bit more. Because uh, do you think, I feel like Paul emphasizes it, you know, a lot, uh, just rejoice. Again, I tell you, rejoice, you know, in all circumstances, you know, find content in the Lord. Do you find that maybe, how do you think Park deals with joy? Like, because I, I feel like we maybe, we know we have good doctrine. Sure. How do you think our joy is? And do you think there are consequences from not having joy in the Lord? Uh, yeah, there's obviously consequences from not having <laughs> joy in the Lord. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know. I think our joy is, I think our joy is being tested right now okay. with, with COVID and two services and, you know, we're not all together and, you know, we're kind of not, it's harder for us to I think have joy, you know, mm-hmm. because we're not, we're not like we're, we're still walking with a limp, right? We hadn't, we had surgery and therefore we're walking with a limp. We're not where we used to be. So we're trying to get back to where we were, um, you know? Um, so, I mean, so I don't know how our joy is as a body, hmm. you know, you know, one of the reasons why on Wednesday night I asked, Hey, what are some things you've noticed in the life of the church? You were up, upstairs. I said, what, is, what are some things happening in the life of the church that has given you joy? Hey, we loved how the flag was caring for people behind the scenes, mm-hmm. man. And hey, I was really encouraged with Grant, um, you know, in the midst of the pouring rain, went and get a, got a tent for drop off at, at the at preschool, mm-hmm. right, to serve the moms there. Hey, I'm really encouraged by all the people who are serving musically, coming in early and all the different faces who are, are giving their time. Like there's just a time of just, we're just celebrating. Right, mm-hmm. you know, praise God. That, 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 that what I'm trying to do by asking that question is, let us find joy in what God is doing in the body. Right. Mm-hmm. So one of the highlights of my Sunday um, was me walking down uh, on the way to the sanctuary for service and seeing Doc Green sit in the back row. Mm-hmm. Like Doc Green has not been to church since March. Right. Mm-hmm. And like it was almost like spontaneous. Like my heart just wanted to scream. Like mm-hmm. Dot's here. Like this is yeah. so, this is so great. Um, so like that's the kind of stuff that we want to have. Well, we want to have that kind of joy when we see one another. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think like um, I think we're just a little bit timid right now. Like with mm-hmm. hey, how are we interacting in general? Um, you know. And I think that we're because of COVID and because of the two services. I think we don't know each other as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if, we, if you don't know people's lives going on as well, you may not have as much joy. But then you also have yesterday, like you just told me about the baby shower and some things that happened there that like that I didn't know about yesterday, right? Because mm-hmm. I was in another meeting and all this baby shower stuff happening and how much of those moms were encouraged and had so much joy, you mm-hmm. know? And that the people in our body wanted to love them and show them joy. Mm-hmm. Well, that is good, good stuff, you know? So so I think that we've always been a joyful church, yeah. right? So I think that one of the things that's been unique about us is that we are a church that's both doctrinally sound, Lord willing, Right. And joyful. I think those things have really characterized who we are, right? I just pray that it would continue. Hmm. Cool. Now, I, I want to close it because I feel like you've been using joy interchangeably. And I, and I think maybe that's what John's doing as well, is that the joy is in the Lord, but it's also in the fellowship and other things. Is there a connection between those? Oh, yeah. I think that, you know, when you have the joy of the Lord, right, when you have the, the joy of um, salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, that your sins have been paid for, that Christ paid for every single one of your sins, mm. put them in the ground and, and overcame them with his resurrection from the dead and sat seated at the right hand of God waiting to take us home. Right? I think like when you have that joy, you start to love the things that God loves and have joy in the things that God rejoices in. 
right? So when you see things happening, like you have to train your mind and your heart to have, how does the Lord look at this service, right? Hmm. Hey, there's a, there's someone who's been struggling with sin, right? And he has been not wanting to come to the, to the gathering and he comes. Oh man, I, I just see the joy that God, God, God brings, right? So hmm. I think like that's the kind of joy we want to train our minds and our hearts for. Hmm. What is God pleased with in the service? God is not pleased with a perfectly written sermon, mm-hmm. right? God is not pleased with a perfectly sung song, right? Or perfectly prayed prayer. God is pleased when his people come to him in humility and desperation and trust and faith in what he's done for us in Christ, mm-hmm. you know? So I think when you can say, okay, what am I going to find joy in today? You might ask you this kind of question. What do you, what did, what did, what did, what did you see that had nothing to do with you that you could find joy in, mm-hmm. Right. So like, I just, I could share three or four examples from yesterday where I just found joy in this. I found joy in this and I found joy in this and had nothing to do with what I did on Sunday, Mm. (laughs) you know? Um, And that can, can, can someone confessing sin, you know, someone really wanted to become holy. Uh, Someone just, just coming to church, right? You know, like those are the things that like I had no part in. Mm -hmm. It was God moving and therefore I get to experience it. So I think that, if we're going to have my, my joy complete, it's we preach the gospel, we preach Jesus, right? We testify to him and people get to be welcomed into our fellowship. And our fellowship is not just with each other, but our fellowship is with the father mm-hmm. and with his son. Last question. You ready? Yeah. Practically, hands on, how do you see this? You have joy with the Lord. What would that look like in people's life? Practically, day to day, if they don't have joy, what, would that might, what might that look like? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, so I think that if you have joy in the Lord, you want to care for others, right? You know, you rejoice in the Word of God, right? Mm-hmm. You read the Bible and it comes alive to you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you are reminded that you're a sinner and you have a Savior. You know, do not rejoice that demons submit to us, but rejoice that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So our joy should be in <laughs> the gospel of mm-hmm. our forgiveness. Um, uh, we should delight to want to be coming to our gatherings, Right, I can't wait to see the saints. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to be with in the presence. Um, you know, so there's lots of ways. I think you should smile. Right, I mean, it seems very simple, but like yeah. I am actually happy where God has me. Right, okay, I don't like everything that God has where God has me. Everyone doesn't love everything that God is doing in their life, yeah. but He knows best. You know, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, when people don't have it, you have to ask yourself why. So I, one of the way places that have always helped me is. is um, uh, Isaiah 58, which is kind of kind of a random place to think about joy, but um, you know, I just I think this, this has always helped me when I kind of get my own little pity party and uh, don't have joy and kind of look at all the different things that are happening in my own life. It's really talking about fasting here, the kind of fast that God wants. Um, so let me see if I can I can uh, I can find it. Let's start in verse six. Um, it says, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring homeless poor into your into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? So this beginning part is people who are struggling with darkness and sadness. And then he said, this is the kind of fast. If you want to fast, give yourself to other people, right? And mm-hmm. just kind of generally, I want, I want people to be freed and cared for and loved. Then verse 8, I love this. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. 
Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be in your rear guard. Then you shall call on the Lord, and he will answer you. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. There's something about giving yourself to others um, and serving others that's like it, like your darkness breaks forth like the noonday, right? So I think that if you're struggling with joy, um, you're probably thinking more about yourself, more about your own circumstances, more about all the things going wrong in your own life, rather than focusing on others. And I think if you take your eyes off of yourself, forget yourself, if you will, and serve others, I think you're going to start to have more joy. So it's just, yeah. just a thought. That's all the questions I got for you. All right. uh, Father, we thank you for uh, this time. We pray, Lord God, that you would help our church have joy. We pray that we would be a church uh, that proclaims eternal life, proclaims the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and Lord, we pray that we would invite people into our fellowship, for indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. We thank you so much for what he's done for us, and we pray, God, that our joy would always be in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.